Hey everyone, present day Conrad here. A couple times in the upcoming episode, I say this is the final episode of Space Spinner Reaction, and that's simply not true. Later this week, we'll put out an episode covering the 1977 Action Annual, and then we'll finish up our coverage with a wrap-up episode also talking about issues 37 and 38, getting a chance to see the censorship of the comic action in action, as it were. Anyway... Enjoy the show, and don't listen to that lying past, Conrad! Borak Dog Earthlets! My name is Conrad, and this is the 13th episode of Smake Spinner Reaction, the podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own classic comic action three issues at a time. Though this issue, we've reached the end of pre-censorship action and are looking at the action summer special for 1976. This thing was released in the mid-20s of action in terms of like where it is in the timeline, so it's still in those dark days. Um, this episode, we got prequels for Hookjaw and uh, Blackjack, as well as some sweet um, high-rise dredger action and a uh, Hellman story, so it's double evil. But who's joining me for this episode of a Space Spinner Reaction? Buddy, it's Fox! Oh my god, they have only whispered. They've only had dreams of such a crossover and let me end this uh, will-they-won't-they relationship. And I'll say, you know what? They will. Oh, yeah. My life partner from Space Spinner 2000 getting a chance to sick his teeth into action. Woo! Oh, man. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm liking what I'm chewing on. I, I'm, I'm yeah. getting this flavor of nostalgia mixed with uh, someone over there really like to talk about tanks and the words 20,000. Absolutely ridiculous um oh uh, yeah you know this is very much uh like when picard shows up on deep space nine kind of crossover you that's know? weird so, but with, acceptable yeah. C- certainly within universe you know yeah so the special you know we've dealt a lo- with, with a lot of these specials in the past fox you've been off special and annual duty for the last oh, couple uh prog years so now we're jamming you back in feels it um, feels good I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I'm I'm walking back into this, uh, into somewhat <laughs> foreign soil. It's a little yeah easier, I think. Yeah, as 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 usual, these things are a combo of new stories and familiar um, from our familiar characters, and what I believe are just just these weird legacy comics, mostly about World War II. As you do, this special costs twenty five pence, which is of course less than a regular prog in 1986, where we are in 2000 AD. Oh, holy shit. And the cover is is pretty sweet. It's got a montage. It's got a Hellman, Dredger, Hookjaw, and Alec Shaw. Whatever the weather, these 56 action-packed pages will make you sweat. I mean, that feels like it's straight out of, I don't know, Hustler or something. Yeah, it's... Plus, it's weird because it says there's 56 um, pages of action, and I think this thing's actually like 64 pages It long. is. It's it kind is. kind of confusing. It also gives me the sense of, like, what is the material of this if you can just read it in whatever weather. Yeah, I guess they just know that, like, eight pages are just sort of straight-up filler. So they're like, all right, don't count those. You know, <laughs> there's a portion of this that's just sort of too, spe- too uh, spread, too, what you call it, 
take up space, you know. But yeah, listen, these things aren't actually all weather as far as I understand it. Like the paper's way closer to toilet paper than like um this is not than like hard hard card stock. Don't read this in the outside in the rain. That's what I'm trying to say. This is, this is not the all weather package, you know. No. Um so the inside cover of this thing has a table of contents with a bunch of different characters in it, including kind of a, a, of a weird-looking blackjack, I think. He doesn't really have... His hair isn't right, I don't feel like. Mm. But, hey, speaking of getting things started with a bang, Fox. Or uh, something about dredging. I don't know. Yeah. S- speaking of pulling up thrills from the deep, Fox. Oh, my God. Dredging them out. It's story one. Dredger. Uh, so I've definitely listened to Reaction. It's my first time yeah. ever reading it truthfully. Um, and Dredger's always stood out to me as the clear thing that I would absolutely love and does not disappoint. <laughs> it opens with a fucking typewriter gun. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> the fuck? Listen. I think it's really funny because I, I I think like a Tommy gun has been called like a Chicago typewriter or something like that as well. So it's kind of a yeah. double double pun. Mm. But yes, we're in a fancy New York City hotel. Doctor Yakolov is letting in a, in, in a typist. This is one of those like none more nineteen seventies thing, Fox, where mm. like instead of like typing up your own stuff, you got to get a guy with a typewriter to come in and like take your dictation, basically. Well, because you'd just be hunting and pecking super slowly, and these yeah. guys are like supercomputers. Plus, I feel like typing's like yeah, and just owning a typewriter is like owning a specialized piece piece of equipment. It's like owning like a lathe or something like that in 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 this era. You know, mm. you you don't just have like a notes app on your phone. Like you got to have a specific typewriter like Jeez. device. It's a, a whole thing. You can't just notarize your own fucking official documents. You know exactly. Yeah, um, my dad actually made like like money when he was in college just typing up people's uh, term papers and stuff. I mean. That's awesome. But, yeah, but not like this, because this guy's typewriter, as you said, is a goddamn gun, and you ah, can't yeah. off with it. <laughs> 18 hours later, agents Breed and Dredger arrive at JFK Airport. They're here to investigate Yakolov's death, but it could have been anybody. They don't know. Oh, man, I but, love I love Breed's tie, but more than anything, I love how Dredger's got the loose tied like i'm a i'm a no-nonsense detective feel going on with them yeah he plays by his own rules you yeah, know man. Um, it's a loose cannon gets, gets results nice. exactly god so um, great definitely someone is after them though because when the agents hail a cab suddenly gas starts pouring into the back seat oh but, but it's one they of... didn't really think ahead in this whole situation when you get two agents into your gas-filled car well, I mean, it, it is one of those cabs that's got like the partition between the uh, between the driver and, and the passengers. Mm. And the glass is ostensibly bulletproof, but not strong enough for my magnum as also, uh, Dredger blasts through it. I also love how the, the wall is just fucking metal. Like I've never gotten yeah. into a taxi cab where it's like, here's metal. Here's the little window so you can look over his shoulder and be like, hey, gas. I actually have seen those, but only in like New York City, I think. Oh, and it's actually it, it's actually real uncomfortable if you're a tall guy like me. Like you do, like you really lose a lot of leg room with that partition. It's BS. Damn. All right. Um, 
Yeah, so um, Dredger also looking extremely Clint Eastwood here, maybe just because of the Magnum or something. Mm. But he's got that kind of like Clint, like like you know, early Dirty Harry style, like Clint Eastwood hair and uh, ha- ha- hair and face. Yeah, I firm agree. So in the confusion here, the cab flips and rolls on the highway, which is pretty awesome. The boys are okay, but the driver has a broken neck, and then it's like, fine, let's just keep going. <laughs> um, Later, at this hotel, the agents talk to the local CIA boss and are handed off to a local agent named Starker. Mm -hmm. They head over to Yakulov's apartment, and Starker's very impressed by the typewriter gun, when suddenly, a flamethrower dude from a nearby demolition site, question mark? So, (laughs) I, I have family in construction, like a lot of my family in this shit. And so I, most of them use like flamethrowers in, in the course of their construction duty, right, Fox? I I wouldn't do what I've been doing for eleven years of my life if flamethrowers <laughs> were in the equation of like day to day operation on a goddamn construction it's true. site. Yeah, maybe something's really overgrown or something. But listen, some dude with a full on backpack uh, uh, flamethrower just starts blowing the hell out of our dudes. It's pretty oh. awesome. And so what uh, do you do? Dr- you dive and shoot and watch them explode. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, yeah, Dredger saves Breed and like gets his back singed, comes up shooting, blows this dude up. It's pretty awesome. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and Dredger's now super suspicious because, you know, they've just been attacked by a, flame, b- 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 by a cabbie and a flamethrower dude. <laughs> and in classic Columbo fashion, that Starker guy knew about the typewriter, but the, bo- but the CIA boss they talked to didn't. They just said, like, oh, some kind of small caliber gun. He had so, to he had to give it some some dramatic tension before he revealed, "Hey man, you're suspicious. Let me throw you." Yeah, he had to let him. Yeah, he had he, he had to play him out, and then once he's played out, then it's time to just slam him against the wall and like jam his gun in his mouth a little bit and like so break his teeth. Ha- yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> so hard that just blood and bits of teeth are shooting out of his mouth. It's pretty awesome. This was so this, much more graphic than 2000 AD. Like, it's pretty good, whoa. yeah. <laughs> so Starker's a rat. He's fine. He, he confesses immediately. He says he set up the flamethrower and the typewriter. He's selling Yakulov's uh, secret papers to the Russians for $20,000, which is apparently in 1970 enough to uh, buy your loyalty. Or to get a uh, new footballer from the north of England down to your south of England team. Or half of a of a of a of a whale shark corpse. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, the uh, Starker runs off with um, Dredger in full pursuit. He escapes to a nearby building site. Um, and when this guy, when Starker takes like an elevator up to the top of the building, Dredger jumps him and like holds on to his ankle as they go up the elevator. So they both go up the elevator together. It's pretty cool. Which like um, when when Dredger actually does his punchline like they're well above the city oh yeah no they go up like like maybe 20 or 30 stories up basically oh and now uh, they're both they're both hanging off of a ledge like you know each uh, one's got like an arm around a girder and they're kind of like chicken fighting a little bit i think but then the bad guy pulls a gun but dredger don't need no gun he's going full uh full bad guy in commando here and uh i just feel like don't don't bring a gun to a holding on to the ledge fight. I mean, there seems like there's no good options, really. No. But so Dredger, Dredger punches this guy in, in the face, and he falls off the side of his of, of the building, which is also real awesome. Um, falls to his death. 
Dredger grabs the papers from his bloody corpse, and it's a good day of espionage for our heroes. Oh, man. Does the whole John McClane thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Stands over him. I, there's a real good shot of just, like, you can see, like, his bloody hands, because he's just oh, yeah. smushed from the fall and stuff. Real real awesome. Just, uh, <laughs> Dredger, Dredger this comic doesn't, uh, they don't dick around in this. They get, no. They get real fast to the violence. Yeah, always. Very and speaking of uh of, of going things fast and then slowing down a little bit, it's story two. It's a laugh and no all. Oh man, I mm, I feel like it's a laugh comes back twice, but in a different form called like crazy captions or whatever. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just some filler here, just sort of like some 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 yucks. Um, First, it's just some, some single-panel comics. There's seven of them, which is a weird number, but it's a lot of like, uh, did you take a bath this morning, sir? No. Is one missing? Um, or a guy literally weighing an anchor on a on a scale. Uh-huh. Or s- sausages with bread in one side because the butcher can't make um, both ends meet. <laughs> anyway. Next is two pages of know-all questions. Big ups to uh, Martin Feinsilver, who is just kind of a re- like a dude around the Rebellion offices who's agreed to have his picture included with some we- uh, weird kids trivia questions, Yeah, I-, I guess. I will say that, that these were probably kind of difficult in a pre-internet era. You know, all this stuff is stuff you could just look up on Wikipedia or something these days. And back then, I guess you would have to like go on an encyclopedia. Or maybe or like. Just- I mean, you'd have to get a book of some kind. That's for yeah. Sure. Call the call the library reference desk, maybe something like that. My favorite is uh, is the difference between U.S. and U.K. stock car racing. One is ju- like the way they talk about U.S. stock cars is uh, they just go real fast and hit each other real hard. And with British, <laughs> it's like, oh no, ours don't ours don't look factory standard. They don't go as fast. Yeah. They actually uh, like do some mechanicing as opposed to those bloody Americans just driving cars off the lot and into uh, demolition derbies. Damn colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, speaking of uh, colonial missteps, Fox. Oh, my God. I don't know. No, speaking of $20,000, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Or, or, or 20,000 pounds, I guess. Mm. It's... Story three, the Craddock story. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's the return of a play till you drop star Alex Shaw. Rampton City striker. You know, he's settled his blackmail problems and it's time for some actual soccer action, I guess. Oh, my God. They've got a new player on the team, Don Craddock from the Northern League. Oh, let's see if Alex can get past him. Looks like he can't because Craddock's quick and strong and should be a good addition to the team. Wow. Good times. Everybody immediately takes to this guy instead of just being like, man, he's an expensive douche. Everyone's like, wow, he's really good. I'm glad that we got a really good member of our team. Everything works out here just fine. We're all buddies now. It's like, yeah, worth that expense. Yeah. Um, uh, in fact, he's so good. He'll be starting on the team this Saturday, but when game day comes, (laughs) Craddock is late and he shows up all beaten up and looking weird. The game starts though. And Craddock gets a key header that leads to to Shaw getting a goal. And then it has a great stop on defense and the game ends with Rampton winning one nil. Huzzah. Nice. 
After the game, Craddock and Alan are, Alec are walking home, and they're attacked by some random dudes. Oh, no. Man, I love a victory beating. Yeah. Alex talks in a nearby canalway, another sort of a continuing theme in this uh, special. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, they just start giving the boots to Craddock, you know, knocking them down, kicking them in the gut, etc. It seems like it's a personal thing, and Craddock refuses to go to the cops. Because that's just how it goes, I guess. You know, if there's one thing we learn from Play Till You Drop, it's you never go to the cops because they can solve things right away. Oh, my God. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make for good, like, narrative structure. No. Before the next game, Craddock's car is all smashed up with Get Out of Rampton written on the side of it. Ah, come on, guys. Yeah, don't miss a, man, a man's car. Right? Craddock again refuses to get help and the game begin. The situation doesn't seem to have rattled him, though, and Alex scores two goals in the back of his solid defense. But after the match, Craddock go, uh, seems off, and Alex follows after him, misses him in the scramble. So Alex instead just drives home and sees Craddock getting beaten up again. Which, I mean, you knew it was going to happen, right? Just a lot of beatings here. Alec tries to save Craddock but gets beaten up himself instead when suddenly a new dude shows up and beats these guys up with his crutches. Dude, he, he one crutches it while taking the other crutch and just like beating them across the face. It's pretty Definitely. fucking hardcore. Yeah, this one's kind of a crossover also with, I guess, with, with early action story sports knots for losers, which also featured uh, crutch-based fighting. <sighs> but so a uh, crutch guy yells at the thugs for... Uh, for beating these guys up and stuff like that. And they say they're doing it for him. Craddock suddenly recognizes this dude, Johnny Ketch. Oh, unfortunate. Um, apparently, he, yeah, well, it's it's very, uh, like, I don't know. Here's me being a comics nerd where it's funny because the two two of the main guys that, that have been Ghost Rider were uh, Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch. This is kind of a combination of their names. Ah. But that was until the 90s, so it's definitely not based on that. But anyway... Well. Apparently, this guy was a footballer, too, and Craddock uh, hit him with a hard tackle and broke his leg, and now his buddies are out, out for blood because the break went bad and Catch lost his leg. It's always bad when the break begins to petrify and turn to stone and then just fuck up both your legs. I mean, I have no idea what happened, that he lost both of his legs. No, he, he lost one. He, he's oh, only got one right. leg, One I got think. amputated. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I'd say it's more uh, an infection than that weird Game of Thrones disease that that one guy got where it turned to stone. Oh, but yeah. one way or another, this guy, pro uh, uh, Catch forgives Craddock, and that seems to put an end to it. You know, be cool dudes, and it's not, you know, it's not his fault that his leg got all messed up and now he lost it. You know, so st don't beat up uh, footballers. That's the lesson. Which, I mean... That seems to, I like I'm sorry I like I living in Europe man that fights are just gonna happen around the sport I don't know how you stop it or if you should seems to get out a yeah. lot of anger <laughs> but I was yeah but you know that should be between the, the 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 various hooligan fans of the different teams not not the fans and the players you know listen man the, the war, players should war be knows sh no should boundaries, be Conrad. I'm just saying that the players should be allowed to live their lavish lifestyles with their uh, and and their wives and girlfriends should have their own reality shows and stuff in peace. Oh, that's everything my, I know about soccer. My anyway, <laughs> love you. Speaking of taking weird lessons from things, Fox. Oh my God, it's so confusing. <laughs> Story four: Hellman of Hammer Force.
Yeah, do I mean it really is? Do you feel bad about this, or do you feel good about this? Yeah, uh, it's uh, definitely not morally gray in my mind. Mm. It very much tells you what it thinks. Yeah, and speaking of uh, bad choices, hey, it's the text story for this oh. annual or <laughs> this special. I read all of uh, it, and I just you know I want everyone to appreciate that. Yeah, Helmet and Hammer Force. We're way back to the start of the comic here. Tank fighting action, Blitzkrieg in 1940. Helmet's blasting away French tanks and British soldiers. Good times, generally, until Helmet uh, uh, saves some German troops. But it turns out it's the goddamn Nazis. I hate those guys. Oh my god, it's the Goldern Nazis. Um, Helmet, you know, is forced to assist this uh, SS troop in taking Ugh. over a, uh, a nearby French town without any strategic value, but it does have a church full of fancy treasure and loots. Well, I mean, if there's one thing that we know about Nazis said they really like their weird treasure and loot. Yeah, I think every, you know, like they're, uh, they're disreputable, so they, they're in for the loot, not just the conquest of the fatherland the way that Hellman is, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it seems like that's the conflicting ideology here a little bit. Yeah, so these thugs, oh, they're taking all the stuff. They, the SS guys gather all the townspeople together in the middle of the town and order Hellman to gun them down. But before he does, Hellman notices something and orders his tank to traverse and fire. Oh, it's a British scout car. Oh, my God. Uh, the British are on their way to attack, and this allows the townsfolk time to escape. And suddenly the Germans are under attack from British troops, bayonets, and everything. I guess Hellman is a ways away from this actual fighting, yeah. which I wasn't really clear on. But I guess he's actually pretty far from this actual village, well, tanks, I guess. Tanks can shoot pretty pretty far, right? Like oh, definitely. Kind of thing. But, yeah, they are far enough away to where the SS officer can jump in a Jeep and, like, drive away a bit. Or maybe he's going to the Jeep, but whatever. Anyway, he gets surrounded by, by fucking Tommies. And um, Hellman's like, ah, turn off the radio. We won't be hearing their cries. And presumably they're all just killed by the killed or captured by the Brits. Which, you know, I get it. And Like, I'm and there with, with you. Yeah. And with the SS guys taken out, uh, Hellman rides out um, to rejoin the Blitzkrieg. Because individuals, individuals looting and killing a town, Fox, that's bad. But a similar contest between two nation states, that's honorable. Oh, God. <laughs> like, let's let's go fight in this tank battle and remove people from history. You know. For the purposes of Germany conquering France to make use of its like resources and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Really like, uh really feels patriotic while at the same time saying, but we don't appreciate a hundred percent of that ideology, so that's what makes this more palatable. I mean, I will say it is very much that, like, Stalin quote of, you know, you kill one person, you're a murderer, you kill a thousand, you're a hero, you know, mm. um, of just, like, you know, the lines that Hellman draws between himself and the Nazis are, like, questionable, especially when, in the end, like, like his main, di it, it seems like most of his... Um, most of his differences are ones of of a of a, of a process and tactics, mm. as opposed to um, the actual ends of what they're doing. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, in this case, it feels like to me when when um, you know how they have Lucky Charm cereal that's just the marshmallows. It doesn't yeah. make it any better, actually, right? It just yeah. This feel that this very much feels like Hellman looking down on the Nazis for eating all marshmallow Lucky Charms while eating regular yeah. Lucky Charms himself. <laughs> it's just like, all right, dude, whatever. Yeah, you're. I I don't know. It. Hellman just, it feels weird to me. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm not alone. One way that. or another, you're, you're promoting the, the diabetes of fascism, buddy. Absolutely. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm dying. That was Sorry, great. buddy. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the uh, questionable decisions of evil humans, Fox, it's story five, great white. Death. I'm I'm just never trusting a man named Hacky or Hockey. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh shit! Now, son, in nine in 1970, the SS uh, Keho is hit by a hurricane in the Caribbean with only three survivors. One of them is indeed a jerk named Hacky, who refuses to let the third survivor onto his lifeboat just, and cuts his throat to keep him away. Just stabs him right in there, and then threatens the guy who's sharing the lifeboat with like. Bitch, I'm only letting you stay on here because you got here first. And they're like, ah, it's fine, man. Yeah, don't kill me, Jesus. Uh, the hurricane ends and the sun rises as as Haki and the other survivor, Hogan, notice that there's not alone. There's a young, great white swimming in the water nearby, and it's hungry. Dude, it bumps the boat once, and, like, Mr. Jump to Conclusions Matt over here just starts tossing dude into the water. Yeah, yeah, Hockey just grabs Hogan, tosses him straight into the water. It's real rough. Uh, This guy, Hogan, is attacked by a tiger shark. Oh, my God. And the Great White's pissed because he's like, I wanted to kill that guy. Um, Well, not before getting his head bitten off as his headless, bloodied corpse begins sinking into the fucking deep ocean. Yeah, buddy. Sorry, I'm like, I'm like, uh, what you call it? I I barely even notice the violence in Hookjaw anymore because oh it's so gosh. ridiculous and it's constant. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so the water's boiling with sharks as when the Coast Guard finally shows up and picks Hucky up in a rope ladder. But as he climbs, the Great White strikes and bites off his leg. Mm, that's the juicy and now, part. Yeah, and now he's got a hunger, and the only cure for that hunger is more human flesh. Oh man, I feel <laughs> like I've uh, I feel like I've heard this story before. Indeed, a year later, there's another hurricane, and a sailor named Keegan is swept off the side of a British tramp steamer. Steamer, alone in the sea, he's a menaced by a hammerhead shark, and he gets his arm bitten off. Oh my god! But then here comes Hookjaw. Ripping the eye, like the right or left eye, off of that fucking hammerhead shark. Yeah, yeah. The, the human blood calls the sharks, including our young great white, which which attacks the hammerhead shark fight, and the winner gets Keegan. Oh, yummy! Suddenly, a boat from the steamer arrives, and the captain tosses some grenades in the water like to clear out the a sharks. Fucking badass! How do you stop yeah, t- sharks from being around? Just keep throwing grenades until it clears out. Definitely, yeah. He uh, he throws one right down the gullet of the hammerhead, which is pretty awesome. Just sort of uh, explodes that freaking thing. Real good. Keegan is saved, and later 
you know, maybe like a couple months later, some jerks in a really small fishing boat are hunting a giant whale shark, which like is a peaceful be- uh, beast of the depths, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those whale sharks don't hurt hurt nobody. They're just real big and awesome. Yeah. And these guys are like, like we got to kill this thing. And if we take it back to that one Texas tycoon, oh I know, then we'll get $20,000. Yay, $20,000. It's the make or break of 70s. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, it's like the way of the gun. Twenty thousand dollars is a motive with a universal adapter, I guess. Oh my um, god! I <laughs> my my favorite thing here is they were already like evil enough sharking in the Caribbean, but you have to throw in like the Texas oil millionaire. Oh just yeah, to make it just just to, for fun. It is it <laughs> is <laughs> chef's kiss of of evil. Mwah. Definitely. I, I mean, that's I, I, like we, we talked about this in our other Hookjaw coverage. Mm. Um, but the really great thing about Hookjaw is just how evil they're willing to make these humans to make Hookjaw seem so justified, you know? Hey, man, whatever whatever allows you to draw a man getting his head ripped off. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll say these guys are way more evil than like Shaco and th- than the humans in Shaco. Oh, yeah. Those people Many- are usually morally ambiguous. Yeah, like many of which are at least motivated by wanting to get like that uh, capsule back or whatever. Like these guys are just are just evil, and Hookjaw is going to eat them. <laughs> or you know? just he's being, not even out for revenge, you know. Or, or just being a teacher that like didn't really do anything bad other than scold a child. That, I mean, she that felt, guy, well, she seemed kind of kind of corporal punishmenty, but the 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 um sentence for being kind of a mean, for for being a mean teacher is not to be eaten alive by a bear no. i think like, that seems like a lot but anyway um, <laughs> jesus so these guys have this whale shark harpooned when the great white shows up you know it would it would prefer human flesh but if there's like a dying whale shark here it'll certainly eat that as well you know i mean why not um, you know yeah. you're going to eat it all the, the fishermen are pissed because they're like, oh, that's our trophy and that shark's eating it. And then we see that one of the fishermen is, in fact, that hockey guy. Oh, he's pissed that he lost his foot. Not like being, not realizing like the coincidence that the shark that ate his foot is, in fact, here again eating his whale shark. Just to be clear, they do show a full body shot of him and he's got two legs. Yeah, well, he, he said that's why I have my iron foot. Oh, he's got like a fake, okay. a fake leg. I got um, you. Yeah. So uh, uh, Hacky takes his shot at the Great White, blows off part of its dorsal fin, again, turning, making it closer and closer to the iconic hook jaw look. Mm-hmm. The shark starts tearing into the whale, and Hacky goes to distract it by, lo- by knocking another sailor into the water for the shark to eat. Ugh. Now he's getting $40,000. That's double 20. Oh, my God. So many $20,000 um, bills. And some guy yells at him about it, so he tosses that guy in the water as well. <laughs> Just basically don't talk to Hacky. Definitely. But now the whale shark's going berserk from the harpoons and Hookjaw um, um, harassing it. It starts thrashing out its mighty tail, destroying the smaller fishing boat. And it seems to swallow several dudes, which is very much the the, uh, sharp-toothed, man-eating brontosauruses from early flesh comics of uh, sharks, you know? Um, The shark eats Hagi and several other humans and... Or the great white does, and fat from the meat of these humans, that shark then swims away straight into the gaff of a sports fisherman. 
The gaff gets caught in its mouth, and Hookjaw is born! Prequel oh, action! Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does feel very Shacko. Yeah, I mean, well, especially to that one uh, Shacko mm. in, like the, in the first 2080 annual, that was another um, origin story of, uh, of Shacko. Although in that one, like, it's a little different just because in that one, like, humans killed his mom, and then he killed a, uh, a great white, or, sorry, an, an orca, a, a, a killer whale, <laughs> Which, you know? Which, uh, uh, holy shit. <laughs> I will say that... Um, I, I read a thing that said that um, great whites are afraid of killer whales. So that is a sh- that's reasonable. They're huge yeah. assholes. Definitely. So if a sh- so if a great white's afraid of a killer whale and Shacko killed a killer whale, then I think we've got our um, animal um, like a you know hierarchy who the who the apex predator of British comics is sort of worked out. Just fucking know? polar bears. That's right. They are the they are the largest uh like land bear apparently. Yeah. Predator, something like that. I mean, if you're that good on land and the sea, like you've won against all comers. That's right. Yeah, you got you you cannot run them. You can only outrun someone else, which is my grandfather's favorite joke. Wow. And ta- he's like, you, you don't got to outrun the bear. Just got to outrun someone else. I'm like, okay, granddad. That's I feel fantastic. like I'm faster than you. Like, I have both my original knees, so I wouldn't, like, oh start God. talking tough, you know? <laughs> burn. Fantastic. Burn on Conrad's granddad. Anyway, but speaking of uh, doing things quickly, Fox, it's Story 6 Speed. The race cars. Yeah, it's just a, two pages of filler here about Formula One racing, regular stuff. Um, and But instead, let's keep going back to the beginning with Story 7 Blackjack. Oh man, down and out on his luck. Dude's just trying to find a job. Gets yeah. gets paid in some ways that I I mean, I get that they're trying not to be racist. I hope. No, it's tough. But, yeah. But <laughs> how, like the payment that he receives, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. That could have been anything. It's true. Yeah, it could have been any kind of large thing that, that Tufts could take. But yeah, more more prequel action here. Jack Barron's out of school and looking for direction. He's just sort of drifting from job to job. He's currently working on the East London docks, off, um, doing odd jobs sort of off the books. Mm. Suddenly a rope snaps and he knocks a boss out of the way of a fallen crate of bananas. Ugh. The, yeah, okay. The boss... Um, uh, gives him a spare bunch and says he can come back later to like take any spare lumber that's um, left after they unload the ship. I I appreciate your knowledge of what a uh, grouping of bananas is called. Yeah, a bunch of bananas. I feel like that's what it's called. Yeah, it is. Um, it's called a bunch. So, um, on his way home, though, Jack is accosted by some no-good kids on bikes. They swipe his bananas and taunt him, tossing the fruit into the canal. I fucking hate no-good next man. And every time they start circling around on, on me with them bikes, I always just shove one into the fucking river. Then fist yeah. fight the rest of them while cops look on, saying like, hmm. Exactly, yeah. So... Like you said, yeah, so Jack tosses one in the canal, beats the shit out of the rest of them. The cops show up, and they're just like, uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> it's my least favorite kind of cop. Oh, come on. You know, like a cop that, that, that goes full uh, goes full Godzilla, like, let them fight. You yeah. Know? I think that's always good police work. Um, 
Eventually, though, the, co- the cops do swoop in and the sergeant grabs Jack and takes him to go have a talk with him. He oh. asks him where he learns to fight and then takes him to a nearby market stall where he asks the peddler there, Beaky, to set Jack up with a new boxing trainer, Solly. Man, I've been reading too much like 2000 AD. I thought this was going to go to a much darker place. You know, oh, like he, gets, like, he, he gets sold into an under, underground fighting Yeah, I was like, like, oh, that. my God, what is this cop into? I got very scared. It, yeah, I guess the cop's just sort of was a former regional yeah. heavyweight champ. And, you know, game recognizes game. So he wants to get um, Blackjack into the fight business. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I, honestly, it's for some of the weirdness, this whole comic or uh, this whole kind of origin for Blackjack is really above board. Like, yeah, it feels surprisingly kind of wholesome, nice. I must say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Beaky takes Jack to meet with Solly, and Solly says he's too young to get started uh, boxing. But uh, Beaky offers Jack a job in the meantime, and Jack's very intrigued by trading to fight and is hanging around the gym a lot. Mm. Um, when one night he sees Solly being muscled by some other fight trainers. What? They go to attack Solly, but Jack wades in to help, and he beats the crap out of these guys. And, like, partway through the fight, Solly starts yelling, like, fight instructions to him. Like, ah, oh, keep your god up, you, and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. My favorite part is the uh, head uppercut into the chin, you know? Yeah. He uh, takes on one guy one-on-one, and, like, yeah, this guy says, oh, my head's real hard, so you can't beat me. And he's like, yeah, your, your head might be hard, but your gut's not. And he, like, gives him one, two in the stomach and then uppercuts him in his glass jaw. Like, take that. <laughs> Just closing shot of him looking at his fists going, like, I'm pretty fucking good at this. I'm like, yeah. This might be a good idea. Definitely, yeah. This display is enough to earn Solly's respect and have him be taken on to train him. And Jack is on his way to becoming a success and going blind as a boxer, then finding a new career as a singer, which involves a little bit of kung fu and a whole lot of gangster stuff. Oh, Black Jack. (laughs) So good. Black Jack's real ridiculous. I'll, I'll, I'll... always remember the first part of blackjack for just all the ways that he really went above and beyond to hide his blindness from people wow and his and in the second part when he goes into hiding by releasing a string of hit records which is real awesome that's that's how you do it right (laughs) absolutely yeah man blackjack doesn't play by the rules fox and speaking of not playing by the rules story eight rogue cop Presumably, it's a cop with a badge, gun, and shoulder holster full of uh, of computer chips animated by his dead buddies. That would but be fantastic. Really... Or I guess in this case, like a badge, gun, and like cool, like black hat. But they don't really talk about it. I guess they're being quiet during this adventure. He's, um, he's rogue because he doesn't play by the rules, man. Always. Uh, so we follow a pair of cops sticking out a car graveyard near the Brooklyn Bridge, which I can't think car exists there anymore. Graveyard. Yeah. When a guy comes running towards them, it's their informant. But the informant's shot by another figure. And the cops got to reveal themselves. And when they do, the killers climb in this pile of cars that collapse under his weight and crush him. Oh, my God. Good thing we shot him before he got crushed by those cars or else we wouldn't be the good guys. It's true. Well, I mean, the the our main cop here, uh, McNally, does wear a black hat, which lets you know that he doesn't play by the rules. It's um, beautiful. 
He checks with the informant and hears his dying words that there's a dope ring run by the top cop. Oh my god, there's so many of those. Which one could it the, possibly be? Indeed, the uh, the killer was wearing what was wearing a, a, a sweet bandolier full of drugs. Oh so yeah, that's that he's right. A drug guy. They're like, <laughs> I, I love how they're just like loads of drugs, barbiturates. Okay, black bombers. What? Tabs. I'm assuming of acid, and merry cherries. None of those, th- <laughs> like all of those, sound like candy. I gotta say, yeah, or a, or a fireworks or something like that. Yeah, like really awesome fireworks. Like if it was an illegal firework ring, smuggling oh, them in. Not not merry cherries. Those ones are so awesome that you know just lighting them gives you a fucking aneurysm of excitement. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um. Anyway. Sorry. So, no, 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 no. I think that's a good thing. I, I, I also noticed the ridiculous names of these, uh, of, of these drugs. They're very like, oh, we can't use actual drug names, so we just got to make them up. You know, Man, they call out barbiturates, though. I, whatever. Yeah, that's anyway. that's true. Actually, I don't know. It just really r- reminds me of like any kind of like cyberpunk thing where they have drugs and they all have really exactly. ridiculous names. It's, you know, it's like a jet. You know. Yeah, Jet or a nuke from a RoboCop 2 or whatever. Oh, my God. You know, like so all these things that, that sound like cool drug names for fiction but are never actually the drug names in reality. They're know? all just inside of inhalers that you suck into your lungs. Exactly. Um, awesome. So McNally heads back to the station house, reports to his... To the commissioner, Jim Felon, who, um, oh, I just realized saying that out loud, that's a real tell. Yeah. Uh, who, who takes him off the case. He doesn't like McNally's methods. Listen, commish, I think you're behind it all, slams hand on desk, revealing that he thinks the commissioner, or whatever, yeah, commissioner is the bad guy. Yeah, tough. Not a, not a uh. smart move for a detective. No, he's instantly suspended. They they don't actually do a scene of him handing over his badge and gun, oh, which, which would have been my would have really you know mwah, made this right. like a perfect story. Oh, um, it's my favorite anyway, part of like a a good cop bad cop routine, you know. Oh, definitely. Mc, McNally walks home when a bum asks him for change, and then shoots him in the back. Oh, Compliments God. of Jim Felon. It's my least favorite part of uh, homeless people with guns. Sometimes I mean, they're just hired yeah. by your When nemesis. they shoot you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I, I, I feel like I'm going to murder you in the course of this no, podcast. No, it's fine. Fuck. <laughs> I'm so happy. Like, it, like it's, you're, you're on a roll right now. <laughs> so McNally's winged and then guns down the hitman. The cops are on the way, and he knows that they're from Fallon to, like, set him up. So instead he runs. Um, he luckily runs straight into Central Park to to hide where oh god he, oh, oh, oh sorry sorry I should say first when he runs he kicks over some garbage cans and while those cans won't do anything to stop the cop car the officer breaks ahead of time <sighs> and hits some ice and skids and crashes into a lamppost and explodes which is real awesome I mean you know I have a feeling that he kind of knew it was gonna happen. I, I guess he did get shot at, which I didn't I didn't realize at first. I thought he was just like, oh, those are cops, but they're probably here to get me, was how mm-hmm. I read that. So he just, like, kicked a thing, and they exploded, and I'm like, those could have been, like, your backup. Yeah, I just don't think that he knew they'd explode. I think he just thought that they just, like, like break at the 
he didn't expect him to hit ice, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, which, you um, know, I mean, he doesn't, he also doesn't dwell on that fact too much, so. Plus, like, a car shouldn't explode just from hitting a street lamp, you know? I feel like I've, like, the way I, I drive in the Grand Theft Auto video games has led me to know that the street lamp always loses in those, uh, in those fights, I not mean, the car. listen, man, they just, this is why it's really great that we're living in our time now. Because, mm. you know, all of those lamps, all those street lamps used to just be full of explosive gas. Oh, that's right. Sad yeah, times. I know. The great So McNally goes the great <laughs> part stuff. of the nineteen seventies. Yeah, talk about gaslighting people. Um Wow so, Yeah, listen, buddy, I'm I'm doing it. McNally goes to hide in Central Park and just coincidentally comes across a meeting between Felon and one of the biggest dope pushers in Harlem who has an amazing hat. Oh god, that hat, one is coat and his and his yeah. tie, you know. Total, total seventies uh, Harlem here. But it's all no match for McNally's thirty eight. Which, um, you know, I guess I'll shoot the pusher first, who seems kinda like the innocent one here. <laughs> I mean, as innocent as a dope pusher can be, I guess. I'm just saying, like, the guy you want to shoot is the guy, well, I guess whatever. They give chase. No, it's fair. Yeah, so uh, so Felon jumps in the dealer's car, and McNally jumps in Felon's car. And then they have a big car chase through the streets of New York. Shooting (laughs) at each other, and then ramming him off of a fucking thing onto the top of a train. Well, there's a real, there's a real awesome part actually where like this big, uh, 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 uh semi truck just kind of oh, shoots yeah. down, down the, down the street and Mc, Mc, McNally sees that felon's car is like going too slow and won't make it. So he actually speeds up and like rear ends, um, felon's car so that both of them can go underneath the truck. Which, like, like to safety, which is really some real awesome, like fast and the furious stuff. actually. Oh, for sure. But I mean, which, is all the more funny because these guys are in like late model, like French Connection style, like big ass sedans <laughs> when they're doing it. Yeah, I just I feel like if you're just gonna kill him with crashing his car anyway, ended a page early, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I, I I think he might have been trying to take Fallon alive, but it doesn't work because well, eventually Fallon gets knocked onto some subway tracks and the oncoming train smashes him good. Like I said, he doesn't really give it much thought after the fact. Yeah. McNally, I mean, he's he, he, he's shocked by it. In fact, he's so shocked that he doesn't notice when another car pulls up, and it's friendly Captain Kotreff. Oh, my God. It was all of them all along. All of the characters yeah. we've been introduced to. Yeah. McNally takes a bullet in the arm, but that won't stop him. Instead, he grabs Kotreff and, like... Throws him into a trash compactor, I think, Fox. It's, I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay. not clear on what's happening at the end here. So so here is what I think happened, but it's not super clear. So they're on the side of the road. And in the mm-hmm. thing where you see him throwing him, in the back you can see a truck. But it looks like yeah. it's past them. But I actually think that he slams into the front of the moving truck. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, because the narration talks about it being like 4 a.m. and the morning garbage trucks are starting to make their rounds and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I think he got hit by it, uh, and there, and that's why everyone stops and is like, "Oh, holy shit, man, you all right?" And he's like, "I'll be fine." But no one asks about the dead body that you know the trucker definitely is now responsible for. 
Yeah. Anyhow, sirens are approaching, and soon he'll be between the sheets of an ant, uh, like in the hospital, and he's won his case. McNally is done. Broke up. Oh my god. <sighs> it's good. Just some ridiculous lawlessness. This is pretty fun, though. You know, it was it was neat how just everybody betrayed him. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> everybody betrays uh, every uh, every every cop that plays outside the rules. Is eventually vindicated, and everybody yeah. that he knows is likely a suspect. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that that movie played out several times for sure. Yeah, don't hate those. I don't. They're action packed. Mm. Yeah, and um, you know, so we're getting the later half of this comic, Fox. So let's just yeah. chill out a little bit with story nine crazy captions. Oh boy. Yeah, man, this is the crazy captions contest with three Ks, which is not cool. Um, cool. It's a bunch of old, fi- you know, it's a standard caption, so a bunch of like old film stills and kind of lame jokes and stuff. A lot of like, uh, like, oh, here's a picture of people running from a big monster, and the mo- and like, it's like, oh, like, oh, we're late for our bus, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, this gun is loaded. Don't make a move. He's holding a cannon. The guy with a big cannon. Yeah. And exactly. the joke, the joke is, it's you know. Because he's holding a big cannon. Yeah. Speaking of how all these, uh, how this section makes me feel, it's story ten, the Suicide Club. Oh my god. Nah, not really. I'm fine with it. But yeah, that's a good transition. Dude, um, the suicide. This like, just like the idea behind both how this starts and ends. I'm like, man, really like yeah. they really fit it into the uh, to the ideology of the Suicide Club. You know. It's, it's tough times here, buddy. Mm. Um, so it's, it's 1917. We're dogfighting over Flanders. You know, World War One action. I think there's some really good use of color here. We just get a bunch yeah. of like planes fighting and stuff against the blue sky, which is pretty neat. Also, I love uh, the exclamation he makes, which is "Flame in Hades." Definitely, that's, that's some good um, old timey, old timey exclamation. Yeah, good, good uh, turn of the century swearing for sure. Mm. The Brits are doing. Kind of okay, but, but the German ace, Reinhardt's real good. He shoots out a bunch of their planes, including that of Lieutenant Johnny Lang. And so sassy Johnny goes back to fucking airport HQ and is like, man, let me tell you, they're so much better than us, like just gushing about these German planes, yeah. so much so. Our, pla- our planes suck, their <laughs> planes are awesome, we gotta get, we, like, like... Our planes are bogus, but the German planes are awesome. And if we don't get some cool planes of our own, we'll be bogus too, you know? Yeah, you know. Um, wow. Talks a lot about getting two gu- two guns on them and stuff. Major Rafe, yeah, Major Rafe Collins of R&D agrees and says they'll get them, but those planes might still be experimental. They bring Johnny in, get some new test planes, two guns, real nice, fast and maneuverable. Johnny takes it into action. He finds a squadron of German planes, Reinhardt among them, and quickly takes three of them out with his new weaponry and fancy flying. Just him alone against like four or five other pilots. But the plane isn't doesn't have enough power to outrace Reinhold, and instead Johnny's forced to sacrifice himself by taking out the German ace by stalling and stomping onto the German plane like freaking Mario against a Goomba. It's fucking awesome. I'm not it's gonna pretty lie. Pretty awesome. Yeah. The, he barely manages to get the plane back to uh, to landing, 
and basically crash lands in a hospital bed. Johnny recommends a more powerful engine for the plane and then dies. I mean, you know, I feel like a more powerful engine is... It's not Intel, right? Like, it's just kind of something that likely your engineers are trying to do anyway. I but I mean, think... I feel... Yeah, but I feel like, um, what you call it, like there's a lot of trade-offs, especially in these early planes, you know, you can't mm. just put the biggest, like it, it's hard to to put a, uh, like to put the biggest engine in it automatically because I'm sure that reduces like maneuverability and other sort of factors like that. So he's basically saying that like while it's good, like you should err on the side of a larger engine as opposed to a smaller one. That might, you know, that you might sort of think about generally, you know, because they're still kind of, I mean, you know, it's 1917, like, like, like the concept of like aerial warfare is still very much in its infancy, you know, Mm. and, and there are, you know, we're still learning the lessons that become sort of the accepted knowledge in, in, in future years, I guess. Man, thanks, Suicide Club, for giving me a a deep respect for air combat of the. That's what the the brass says, too. Yeah, yeah the, the SE-5 will get its upgrades and help the Brits win the war. Let's talk, t- toast to Johnny, a member of the Suicide Club. Aw, uh, yeah, baby. I gotta say, this um, jet, this uh, plane guy is, is not as cool as your Harley Quinns or, or your Deadshots, but whatever. Yeah, it's um, fine. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of playing the game, Fox, oh it's God. Story Eleven Canny Cricket. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I so I have this thing about cricket where uh I have gone near my entire life without actually knowing anything like how any of it is played or or anything like that. I don't want to, and not because I hate it but it's because I always want it to remain mysterious. I just imagine that it's this complicated British game of, of stick bat that uh, is unfathomable for me. It's fucking mm. huge in India. So I didn't read this, oh, yeah. but I did look at the cool pictures of people doing what I can only imagine are just like, I mean, they look just weird. You got to like toss a ball in the air and sometimes like you got to squat with your hands below your testicles, like the whole thing. Yeah. It's just, it's all just so odd to me that this is, I mean, it's a game, I mean, man. Yeah, it's 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 weird because I think as Americans, it's got enough similarities to baseball that we can sort of see some of it going on, but it's also kind of different enough that, that it becomes very confusing. Um, in, this is a full page of cricket tips, mostly from Clive Lloyd, who was a famous cricketer from the West Indies. Mm. Um, I will say I actually kind of, I basically know the rules of cricket. Don't you and ever explain them to me. I will kill you. No, I no worries there. I will say that I learned them from watching the movie Lagan, which oh. is a a Bollywood musical from two thousand and one. Holy shit. Which is, it is about, about cricket. It basically it's your it's your basic uh, underdog sports story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like where you, you have to put together a ragtag team to take on like the rich oh. kids, basically. But that this done case, up Bollywood would it must have been fucking yeah. amazing. You know, to say you know, usually to save like the Civic Center or something. But in this case, it's a ragtag team of a cross section of um of the Indian people, and the rich kids are uh, British colonialists. Whoa. And instead of um saving the Civic Center, it's to not pay this big yearly tax, the Lagan. So it's like, um, you know, if we win, then we don't have to pay. But if we lose, double again. Oh, wow. 
That um, sounds awesome. It sounds like a it's great a really movie. Good, it's a really good movie. I, I, it, for some reason, they were sh- like it, it. It showed in in the states. Um, I, I guess it won like some some awards and stuff like that. Um, but I, I saw it in the theater for some mostly because like I don't know. My, my dad loves watching movies, and I was like you know twenty or something. He was like, hey, like let's go. You know, like hey, you want to spend like four hours watching this musical? <laughs> this yeah, indie man. Musical, and I was like, I, I, I can't say no. I guess Bollywood. Like, that sounds kind of ridiculous. Fuck around. Movie, yeah, movie exactly. Like there is forever, but it's like these massive productions where. Like the crowning achievement of all film was an American in Paris, so let's just double that. It's like, yeah, holy so it's this shit. huge, huge musical with like a love triangle and yeah. all these different like uh, you know ragtag guys playing cricket and like you know whatever going against these English guys and stuff like that. Oh, it's real fun, real that good movie, fantastic. highly recommended. Anyway, this is way more than I was expecting to talk about this section. <laughs> God but, um, damn it, that movie's always stuck with me, so I I feel like I'll mention it anyway. But yeah, you know, speaking of uh, people who are, might not be interested in a sport still uh, learning about it, yeah. it's Story 12, they call him Torpedo. Man, I used to be a swimmer, and uh, this is like 90% of people who swim. They're like, uh, like I'm not here to do just this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim Trail, with two L's, uh, likes to swim. They call him Torpedo because he's real fast. Get it? Yeah, but he's not on the swim team because he's focusing on being a geologist. But the headmaster of his his school is like, fuck those rocks, buddy. You got to be on the swim team. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I have expected him to eventually do that or at least come out as fabricating the eventual, like, science master report. You know, yeah. just like, uh, we need to get him into this. Definitely, yeah. The headmaster enlists trainer Ken O'Dell, also with two L's, to help him uh, uh, join up. O'Dell tells Trail that he could be champion, but Trail just wants to peep some rocks, dude. Just wants to peep some rocks and Listen, swim for fun. It's really important. I, I want to learn the difference between basalt and igneous. I want to I wanna do the... It's one of the few uh, uh, science types where taste is an applicable test method, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're talking marble, and this is limestone town, baby. Come um, on, man. Got to know. <laughs> look at these striations. It's how you know yeah. that it's a different time period. <laughs> the next day at the headmaster's office, it seems that um, he's actually not doing that well at rocks either, which is kind of a bummer. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's a young guy. Maybe he just hasn't found the rock focus you know maybe he hasn't seen obsidian yet and everybody geeks out about obsidian Ooh, trail lacks drive and uh you know apparently according to the headmaster thinks he'll just drift through but it's not going to be that easy instead they offer him a plan which is basically he'll swim for the team and then get a lightened course load which seems pretty ridiculous like yeah. listen you got to stop doing just rocks and transfer to rocks for jocks buddy that's much easier that's much easier class oh um, that plus the discipline from swimming will help him in his studies you know for a guy and i know that we're going to talk about this a little later as you go through but for everyone Mm -hmm. saying he doesn't have like commitment to this like later just to like for fun he goes for a field study yeah it's like you know it's really weird that these guys are forced to play sports and not do studies i feel like every time i've seen the story previously it's been the opposite yeah. Like, like you know like you can't just do sports you gotta actually learn things buddy this feels like the bad guys win 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, without much choice, Trail gets swimming. Odell's a hard trainer, making Trail swim a ton of laps. We also see that Odell himself has a wasted left leg, but he's still a demon in the pool, nearly beating Trail despite his d- disability because he's got all these arm muscles. God. I just, I you can't, look, I wanted that moment where he just slams his cane into the ground. Again! Again! Exactly. Again! Again! I feel like he's definitely doing that. Um, we, like, there, there's no time for a montage. We, we gotta get going. Um, we learned that Odell was a champion swimmer, but got the goddamn polio in Australia and so lost his leg. Or used it's, his leg, I guess. Dude, I swear to God, you know, the fact that Australians created polio just still bothers me to this day. Uh, burn to Australian listeners. Sorry, I'm guys. sorry, guys. Um, it was complete fabrication. But you guys did yeah. make dingoes, which are fucking cute and dangerous. Mm. Odell drops a ton of like winners don't quit Spider-Man always gets back up type stuff um, Trail is still skeptical and decides to go peep some rocks on his own down at Black Charn Lake because he likes those rocks buddy yeah man See, yeah what a lazy guy would do you know yeah Odell is waiting for him there and forces Trail and either way by the way Fox Weird. I'm pretty sure that this is actually two comics that have been stapled together and oh had God. N- new words added because Odell has gotten a haircut in between the swimming scenes and these right. outdoor scenes, seemingly for no reason and completely off screen. So, so, so they do mention it earlier, but it's so dismissive and tiny. There, he's like, he talks for a moment, like cut your hair or, or, or aqua dynamics, but like it's sandwiched between a lot of shit, man. Like, I mean, and plus the like both parts, but the all the time just mentioned is just in the word bubbles, which are the easiest thing mm. to change, you know. So this really feels like there were sort of two stories and just sort of sort of spliced them together, basically. Oh, like, I like two sto- two generic stories about a guy swimming. Like let's just put them together and make it about school or something, right? You know? And the other one is just like life in a in a national park, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, um. Time to get in this freezing cold water, bro. <laughs> yeah, swim it out, I guess. As as uh, Trail swims in the uh, glacier lake, he scares a fisherman and is real cold but made good time. But suddenly, some rocks fall from a nearby cliff and hit the fisherman's boat. Which is, you know, in the rare occurrence that you're actually close enough to a cliff mm-hmm. face to get crushed by falling rocks in a fucking massive lake. Despite being super tired... Trail rushes out to save the fisherman and manages to save his life. He succeeds and learns a valuable lesson about pushing himself, I guess. I don't know. Oh, God. Or or that weird conversation that uh, – or whatever. The conversation that he had with the coach where it's like you got to push through the red, blood, blood red haze of pain and just like yeah. keep just shoving Never it. stop. Yeah, go till it hurts. Yeah, injure yourself for no reason. <laughs> go until you get the polio. <laughs> Focus on sports till you injure yourself. Then don't have rocks as a backup. Woo! I know, um, right? <laughs> right. All of this just seems reckless and horrible. A rescue, week later, rescue this yeah. old man from a frigid ass lake when you're tired and your muscles are giving out. Yeah. A week later, Trail wins the swim meet. Hurrah! Fuck them rocks. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I learned a valuable lesson, Coach. Crikey. Yeah. Sports, not learning stuff. Ah. Uh, anyway. Beautiful. <laughs> 
Yeah, but hey, it was pretty brave to uh, swim out and try to save that guy, despite the fact that he was dying of, uh, like, you know, cramping up and being all crazy in that in, in that water fox. Right. It makes me think of story thirteen, the white shoot of courage. I just, I, I, I don't see what the title has to do with everything. Like they do get his shoot in the end, and I know that they're paratroopers, but you know. Yeah, I mean, just you know, there's that there's that other World War II story, or was you know, there's that other war story, the Red Badge of Courage, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So it's a reference to that because they got white shoots, basically, oh, instead of red okay. badges. You know, what I'm and also about. like paratroopers, especially. I mean, this is World War II created the the mythos of the paratrooper, right? Like you got to go oh, in yeah. and fucking commando your way through a terrifying place full of hate. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. And plus, when you're a commando, you gotta you gotta balance that 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 out with the fact that like your 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 best partner is a guy you really hate and are criminally jealous of to the point oh that it God. forces you to get into incredible like super dangerous situations, almost get captured a bunch of times, all that stuff. Fuck. <laughs> Shout out to Green's Grudge War. <laughs> so Fox. Uh? In 1943, a trio of Brit guys are behind, have parachuted behind enemy lines, and they're marking a drop zone for a larger airborne landing. And nothing says there's only three of us, like the guy who's running that group, standing in an open field, open firing on Nazis. Yeah, well, suddenly a bunch of Germans attack, and Sergeant Quinn, Quinn just goes nuts on them, like emptying his, uh, his his Tommy gun into them. He managed to gun down most of these Germans, but his rifle jams before he can kill the radio man. Still, he bends over, grabs his boot knife, and hits the German in the heart just oh, as God. a bullet grazes his head. I fucking love the classic boot knife throw. Clearly, totally. somebody was reading 2000 AD. Oh, this guy doesn't say boot knife when he uses it, which is... Uh, that's, I mean, you always say boot knife. They're still refining it in the 40s, you that's know? That's fine. Um, soon they've got more company, though. A King Tiger Tank! Which is, uh, as we know, the higher evolution of the Panzer. It's true. It's when, you, got rub, when you rub the tank stone on it, when it gets to a certain level, it, it upgrades. <laughs> yeah, but now it can't learn any more moves. You yeah, know, exactly. you got to kind of balance it. Freaking poking out jokes in my God damn it. 2000 AD podcast. Um, so they, they, they got to deal with it. So the sergeant takes a roll of FID, fuse instantaneous detonating, which is basically like thermite, essentially, mm. um, and uh, prepares to take the tank out. He's able to dodge the vehicle's heavy guns and runs to a nearby power tower and uh, blows up its legs, which causes the tower to fall on the tank, charging it with 10,000 volts of electricity. You know, uh, I I like my kraut cooked. I don't know, man. Like, there should have been some kind of horrible joke. He oh, did. no, he did, he did shock treatment. He... I completely forgot. Well, no, because he does too. First he says shock treatment. Then he walks back saying, tiger, tiger, burning bright. Oh, my God. Because it's a tiger forgot. tank, buddy. It's Quoting so that good. Blake. Ugh. Sort of pre-Zena shit going on here. Oh, my God. But um, <laughs> um love you, comes man. back. With the tank out, it's cool for the troops to land, right? Nah. Quinn grabs a Bren uh, oh, machine gun right. and, and shoots up at the planes. At his own oncoming planes. They think the drop zone's defended and the invasion uh, planes divert direction. 
The other troops thinks he's gone mad, but Quinn explains that besides the tank, obviously now a ton of German troops are probably on their way right now, and they would have massacred our guys, so it's better just to call the whole invasion off. Grab those white shoots. Mm. We're out of here. Oh, man. I love when they do the whole hot tub time machine. We say the name <laughs> of the movie in the movie. Definitely. I mean, that really ties it back into the name of the story, mm. you know? And speaking of obvious jokes, oh, it's God. Story 14, Action Mouse. I will say I really like the character design of Action Mouse. So here we go, back to Action Mouse. Action Mouse. Yeah. Action Mouse is on vacation. Oh, the sea is so nice. But he's like playing with the beach ball and some bully comes up and shoves the beach ball right in his face. You're polluting my picnic. Yeah. yeah. He's tired of the shore. Action Mouse goes surfing and is smashed into by that no good glory hog, Action Man Steve McManus. Ooh, that Ooh. Mac. <laughs> he even throws a bottle at Action Mouse's face. He'd be safer on holiday with Hookjaw. Aww. Aww. Action exactly. Mouse, not to be confused with Danger Mouse. My favorite no, Danger mouse, mouse, by is, the way. Yeah, he's still a couple years away, I think. And I, you know. We, we were actually talking about this in a in a previous, or I, th- I, th- I think we talked about this a couple mm. times actually. Yes, just how much Danger Mouse does co- sort of share, you know, if not the actual design, then at least some DNA from Action Mouse here for sure. I think so. Yeah. Hey, so Fox. Ah! With that, as we leave the beat, the uh, a- Action Mouse Beach. We have finished all the stories in this Action Summer special for 1976. Holy crap, I feel refreshed. Would have read this at like a like a camp or maybe during a rainy day on my summer yeah. vacay. Definitely, like on your on in the car on the way to the beach or something like that. Yeah, man, and I would have been really amped up to get into some gun battles or uh like yeah. pretend to be fighting Nazis and make like the the kid with a little bit less of an opinion be the Nazis. Mm. And then, like, on a rainy day, that's when you finally get to the Hellman story because it's the text story, you know? Oh and you're God. like, oh, weird. <laughs> um, but with that, Fox, I got one question for you. Or I guess maybe two questions. Oh, my God. Which were, what were your top and bottom stories? And then I guess generally, what do you think about action? I guess you, you've had a little taste of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's up? So, well, how, uh, how are you feeling? So, like, I... Like action comics, I think. Yeah. I, I definitely see how this is a progenerator um, to kind of the stories that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Mind you, this isn't kind of the traditional comic or whatever. I enjoyed the podcasts very much for that and their visual flair. I mean, it got me really stoked to actually read them, and I'm glad that I took some time to sit down and take a look at them. I would actually suggest to anybody who uh, read 2000 AD but didn't give these a shot, I'd say give it a shot, at the very least, just for Dredger. Um, yeah. Which... It, it's hard to do. Like, like there's some sort of floating around in sort of the in sort of different parts of the mm. dark web and stuff like that. Like, you can definitely find action out there, but it's, it's, it's a little harder to do. It's definitely... Like, there aren't, like, a lot of, like, big action collections out there, which I think is a, is, is a bummer and a missed yeah. thing. You know, I, I'd really love if... Um, if like Rebellion, who I who I believe owns the rights to action, I imagine, um, put out like a like a hook like like just like pairing them up like like a, yeah. like I'd love to get like like a hook jaw and dredger book, you know? Why not? Like I all, mean, call it the all best the sports of, stories right? in one place, you know, stuff like that. That'd be really awesome. I definitely like that. I I love hook jaw and I love 
uh, Dredger. I mean, if we're so just because I'll do a slight segue, so I'm discussing this. Sure. Like, uh, Dredger is definitely my favorite story out of all of these, mm-hmm. um, mostly because it goes from a like man getting shot with a typewriter gun to a gas filled car to a flamethrower to like knocking some dude's teeth out to then having like a, a skyscraper battle. Get, get yeah. shit done. Uh, you know, and, and in that very, you know, uh, I will always sing its praises. Bill Savage has always been near and dear to my heart. I definitely see the DNA here. I see, I, I can see your working theory that, you know, he, Dredger, Dredger is just a, 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 a pen name for our old bud. Uh, and and he just ends up retiring to be a lorry driver later. You I mean, know? if 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 Disaster 1990 didn't exist, then I would definitely say say that like Dredger just became Savage, yeah. like like retired to become Savage. You know, yeah, exactly. Feels it feels right. And Hookjaw as my little runner up there. Like I love like you and I love animal murder comics. Mm-hmm. Like it's just. Uh, they, like they just get the taste for human blood, and then suddenly, uh, every all human is yeah. at yeah, all humans are at risk. <laughs> like they they become like uh, I don't know if you read any of the like SCP stuff on the web, but they definitely become Euclid or worse, uh, class of monster. So it's it's <laughs> fucking it's pretty neat. I love it a lot. Um, and I will say like. Any of the other comics that we read were also kind of equally engaging in their own way. It does really feel, I feel like Torpedo is a little bit out of place, but I get its placement mm. in that, like, this is very much a boys comic about action-y things and sports is action. Um, of course, like, like Tank Battles as much as The Next Man, but you know how I am about Tech Stories. Hellman... Uh, that's the that's that's my least favorite, but not not due to mm. content, just due to like, come on, like, I think they could have made that a three or four pager, uh, and been fine, you know, but they wallet text me, and I I just if I'm not gonna read, you know, three paragraphs of of like a YouTube comment or something or something on Reddit that's three paragraphs, the fuck if I'm gonna read <laughs> like kind of a kind of a a weird story about a, a German with identity issues, you know, like, yeah, it, it was just like, yeah. Anyway, I like action. I'll, I, I'll say this much. Like when, now that I've sat down to read it with you, man, I'm actually curious about getting the other ones and kind of digging through and doing a, doing a kind of like a, a dread run through, right. Where I just kind of mm. read all the dredgers and I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. And then sure. Go back and see what <laughs> I missed. Just because, like, I, like I can see how Dredger is the through line for action at, at the very. I mean, least. I'd say I'd say the Dredger and and the Hook, hook Jaw are really the ones yeah. that you want to see. That's sort of the uh, that that's sort of the Dread and Strontium Dog of oh, uh, of uh, action. You know, I I love that comparison, especially because one of them is a fucking hungry shark. Yeah. Strontium shark. Oh man. Oh, okay. can we please? <laughs> Please have all of like the bloodthirsty animals that have ever existed become strontium dogs. Right. Uh, I mean, listen, like we're going to get to a point in the nineties where there's going to be like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles everywhere. And I feel like that's just a real easy switch to oh make my them God. all 
teenage mutant strontium dogs, you know? Oh, that'd be so fantastic. Teenage mutant hero strons, I should say. So here I am, running my mouth, chewing the fat, gobbing my jaw over all of this stuff. And you know what, Conrad? I'm being rude. I'll be honest. Mm. I'll be the first one to say it. I haven't asked you, and I'm very curious. Hey, what would you put as the most interesting story in here? And what do you think is like, eh, could do without it. Yeah. No, you, you know, come on here. It's not your, this isn't your show, buddy. You're a guest here, man. You're real, like, taking advantage of it or whatever. No, I know. No, you're I'm cool. I'm so sorry. I'm I just, like, I, I've brought shame to my family. You can shove me off of this two-seater boat into the water where I'll get my head ripped off by a shark. Fair. No, man, you're cool. Love you, as always. Um, I'd say for my top, ooh, I'm going to say Hookjaw. I really I loved love um, this Hookjaw prequel, buddy. That really, like, made gave me a lot to think about. And I just love, you know, because I've got this, I, I feel like I, I have more of a ta- an attachment to the character. Mm-hmm. So I'm just real, uh, real excited about this Hookjaw stuff. And so, you know, seeing him as a baby and stuff was real fun. Get to relive your Shacko days. Yeah. Although, you know, um, like, Dredger was real good, man. Just, like, they really packed a lot in. Like, basically mm. every page was a new, like, sort of situation Murder. they had to deal with, you know? Which is really good. Um, I'm sort of whatever with, like, the sports and most of the World War II mm. stuff. Um, I'm going to give, like, but, like, I'm also kind of moderate about it. You know, it's like, most of it was pretty okay. Yeah. I'm going to give Helm in my bottom just because, like, again, I just don't care for this conversation. I feel like we have to have every time yeah. I do Helm in. <laughs> like, I don't really like it. And I don't really like, um, you know, I like tank action. But especially these ones where he really does a lot of stuff interacting with the SS guys mm-hmm. feel really weird. Especially again, like I, I like Hellman a lot more when they're losing, I guess. Yeah. Like when they're sort of fighting a lost cause in the Eastern front, like they are now or sort of losing in North Africa, then Hellman and him being honorable versus the SS guys. Then that feels like a more of a compelling story, I guess, versus when they're just being successful and Helmut doesn't like the way that the SS guys are being successful versus his way. Yeah. yeah I mean, it definitely creates some kind of weird character conflict. I'm sure there are people yeah. who didn't like the methods, but still were excited about it or whatever, but makes it feel sort of shoehorned, you know? It just feels like, I don't know, like... I definitely understand that there's sort of like, like I'm not saying that like every German person in, in the 40s is, was a Nazi or anything like that, no. right? Like no, I definitely understand so. that this concept of good Germans, etc. But your ability to say that you're a good German or that you didn't follow the Nazis and didn't believe with them, for me, it strains credulity when you're also a key factor in the German war machine. Yeah, you know, when you're when you're, you're running also, the tank. <laughs> Right, like the fact that you don't like Hitler. I've said this before, but the fact that that you don't like Hitler is sort of balanced out by the fact that you're conquering Europe for Hitler. You know, yeah, (laughs) seems seems like a conflict of interest. Yeah, or like just like you aren't. It seems like you don't have the courage of your convictions. I guess like someone that was that like someone that was really against Hitler and didn't want him to succeed in conquering the world wouldn't be a tank commander for the Germans, is right. what it seems like to I me. I mean, just make like, him like a secret double agent or something. More yeah, interesting like you story, could, you yeah. know? Like, 
you could be a double agent or defect or, or anything like that. I don't mm. know. Like it just, it seems like he's just sort of holding his nose while evil wins. And I don't, I don't like that. You know? Yeah, I know. Anyway, it's, it's very weird. It's out of place yeah. for a comic book that very firmly seems to stamp itself as, Oh no, who you're reading about is awesome. And killing is the, is the way to victory. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Anyway, oh. that's the end. That's the end of our coverage of action. Oh, this, snap. For this show, Fox, thank you for coming out. Oh, you know, sometimes you got to bring out your, your prize ponies. March Indeed. them around for everyone to see. Beautiful. Yeah, the episode the episode before this, we, we, we got to issue uh, 36 of action. Hmm. And after that, the comic was shut down for a few months. Jesus. And then brought back online, like censored with some with some much changed content, you know, a lot less violent. Like they mm. renamed Death Game 1999 to Spinball. They did a bunch of other things. Oh, Spinball? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the name of the actual game they're playing, but it's not as evocative as Death Game 1999. Yeah. You know? do, uh, I mean, you know me and my future sports. Indeed. But so um, I think, like I said, this was the last... Um, reaction episode but I, th- I think i i might do one more maybe just a solo episode just talking about some post-censorship action stuff mm. and maybe just sort of i don't know collecting some of my thoughts about action and the various stories in here as well yeah. um i think it's interesting you know this is a really great example of this sort of uh a post uh, uh sorry pre-2000 ad thrill power basically mm. and i think it's definitely worthy of just some in-depth discussion about it i guess um i've read the the big parts of action i'm probably going to skim through some of the later episodes just to see what's going on with those hopefully that'll be up soon probably sometime during our, our 2000 ad 1987 coverage mm. um and then hopefully sometime soon I'll, we'll be able to start our continue our trek through ancient comics as we someday begin a trek with Space Spinner Restar Lord. Restar Lord? Yeah. Oh, that's or maybe, fantastic. Or maybe Restore Lord. I haven't Ooh. I haven't decided yet. But one of those something re something something. You know, the Yeah. Great. No, I think that fits. And it's funny. Do that. Restore you know, it's It'll be it'll be way better after that when we could do retro NATO. You know that's I'm really excited about oh. that one. Um, but anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to contact us spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up spacespinner2000. We should be there. Then come back next time as we finish up our coverage of 2000 AD for the year 1986 in our year in review show, The Spinny. Oh, man, it's going to be fantastic. I am just as sick in that episode as I am in this one. Very exciting. And until then, I'm Conrad Eastbox. We are Space Spinner Reaction. Oh, big, 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 big.